Welcome back to the canopy, everybody, for another edition of Views from the Treehouse. It's hovering around freezing outside, but the space heater's been going for hours. We're rocking tank tops up here in this uh, Tulip Poplar Palace. Right, Matt? Yep, mine's a midriff, and I do look fine. <laughs> Little Australian cleavage. That's the one and only Matt Perry, folks. Lord Sovereign of Riverside Outfitters. I'm his co-host, Andrew Two Islands Thompson. <laughs> Matt? How are we feeling? Ah, I feel so good. I'm stoked for tonight. It's going to be so much fun. This is going to be fun. Um, tonight's guest, and I say tonight because we're, you know, it's after 7 o'clock. And that is rare for us. Because this is rare for us. This the, is almost bedtime. The beer's flowing again, just like the last time he was here. Yes. Um, yeah, he's back for a rare second appearance on Views from the Treehouse. Michael Stratton, math teacher, and leader of the Outdoor Adventure Program at Trinity Episcopal High School. But we've asked him back to cover some new territory, t- territory today, his own life. I think you guys are going to like it. Michael, welcome back. Glad to be here. It's toasty up here. Yeah, it does feel, feel pretty good up it's here. Really not I, I don't even want to see your your like meter down there spinning. <laughs> <laughs> but Dominion, it, thanks me. It feels great. That's right. All right. Uh, the other thing, Michael, no pressure, but only Ralph White has ever made a second appearance on Views in the Treehouse. That's a lot to live up to. That is. Yeah, I mean, but it, but if anyone can do it, it's definitely Michael Schreck. I have no Ralph White voice, so I'll, I'll have to work <laughs> That's on right. that. So, <laughs> well, luckily, we have Andy for that. <laughs> I'll be reading the phone book later. <laughs> All right, Mike. So here in the treehouse, we've been exploring the notion of what it means uh, to be an outdoor adventure dirtback. Uh, is the term a compliment or an insult? Uh, not that labels are always important, but sometimes what a label represents is something that is really cool and valuable. Um, I mean, committing yourself to a healthy anything to the point where you're a badass at that sport is just cool. Um, is it always perfect? No, uh, but no lifestyle is because there's a wide variety of individuals that make up any subculture. But generally, folks you meet who aren't dirtbagging it are kind and cool people um, who have some really rad accomplishments. Um, so we love that. Um, n- not saying you've you know like completely jettisoned all conventional life um, to wander the the globe, paddling, biking, climbing. Um, but when you were growing up, did you want to be a dirtbag? So. As a paddler, uh, from a young age, I've had to embrace the dirtbag lifestyle. It's just a, a part of kayaking. Like kayakers, kayakers are dirtbags. Kayakers sleep in the back of their truck. Um, kayakers don't take showers. Uh, getting in the river is is clean enough. And so, from a young age, I embraced the kayaker lifestyle. And like, I, it's one of those words. Dirtbag is a compliment to me uh, because I see myself as a kayaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I always like, you have to like think of the state of the mind of the person that's calling you a dirtbag. So like at Trinity, when I'm at work, <laughs> like I give off the homeless vibe. I know, like when I when I come in, I I know. I feel like you've I, heard, you may have heard that I, very I that phrase uh, in your like in it, review. <laughs> what I like to think, like in my head, I am dressing like. Brad Pitt and Fight Club, um, right. and so that's what I look like in my head. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, it's probably more like like Derek Zoolander from uh, Zoolander, the, right. the the derelict look, um, right. like the, the dressing like you're homeless. Um, and so, it, it, you know, in in my head, uh, it's one thing, but I, I know I give the dirt bag vibe, and for, I'm for embracing people. it. I'm happy with that. You got into the definition a little bit, which is good, but I think, because I don't know, there are people who only sort of know these pursuits don't necessarily know that term, but I think it is 
not universally positive, but it is a positive term in, in the world community. of outdoor recreation sports. Yeah. Yeah, in that community, I'd right. say so, for sure. It's like envy. It's like a term of envy, really. <laughs> but you're saying when you walk into Trinity and the janitor's like, bro, take a shower, <laughs> you dirtbag. That's I mean, different? It, That's, is that different? It, you know, it, it, if you're a kayaker and you're like, oh, man, you're a fellow dirtbag, you know, it, it right. means one thing. Right. Um, but when the administrators uh, are, you know, <laughs> Saying maybe maybe wear a tie tomorrow or or like uh, you know oh man uh, you you still haven't gotten water in your house yet uh, yeah so what was like what was growing up like for Mike Stratton you said you started kayaking from a young age but you know just as far back as you want to go like like who were you uh, so uh, one of the big things that actually defined me from a young age was this crazy house I grew up in um, so I have a pretty big family I had three younger brothers mm. um, my mom and dad found this crazy old house in Henrico uh, County. It's one of the oldest houses in Henrico. Um, huh. It's estimated around three to 400 years old. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh my. On it. I mean, it's crazy old plantation Where is style it? house. It's on Belglade Road. Um, it used to be called the Peanut House. Um, it's very close to Staples Mill and Broad. Right? The, the basement was dirt and had uh, Native American bones uh, uncovered when they when some previous owner right. uh, dug a swimming pool up. Um, so it's kind of like the movie Poltergeist, actually, uh, <laughs> yeah, in that regard. Um, and so growing up, we always thought it was this like crazy haunted house. Yeah. It had a lot of character. Um, and we didn't really think that much. It was just like a normal old thing until we had friends <clears> over. And then our, everyone that came to visit us thought it was like the craziest, coolest thing ever. And that's when we started really realizing that we had something special. And so, so you're growing up in that house, and what do you do for fun besides uh, digging up uh, well, like so Civil War era relics? That and, and house bones. was uh, <laughs> Native American bones, which I'm pretty sure is illegal, but whatever. Uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely, we, we found them, though, so, you know. Found. I'm sure the pool was nice. I bet the pool was nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so the, I think uh, the other cool thing about it was, um, you know, in Henrico County, it was surrounded by really small, uh, houses and small plots of land, but this one old house had a big enough yard that uh, my brothers and I could run around yeah. on it. Uh, and so, did you guys um, back up to woods? Running. Uh, we backed up to woods, backed up to a creek. It's the same creek that goes through Bryan Park. Uh, it's called oh, Upham really? Brook. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. And okay. uh, there was a waterfall yeah. back there, so I, you know, no I had way. this cool little creek. Um, I got the first ascent on that waterfall. Uh, <laughs> and my age, sled. So. Congratulations. <laughs> so it, it, it was really cool land, um, and I definitely miss it. You know, it's a it's a cool thing to to drive by now and and see what's going on um, with it. But the the land itself, having land to run around, I think mm. helped shape who I am. Were you a serious student? Did you play organized sports? Were you more like in arts or? From a, a young age, I, I was really into soccer. Uh, I love soccer. I was, uh, you know, I always felt a connection to running, but I never did organized running sports. I never did cross country or track or anything like that. Uh, soccer was the one I, I like actually fell in love with. Uh, I envisioned being a, a soccer player forever. I, I <laughs> thought, we all? Uh, yeah, exactly. And so from, I would say around high school is when I, I started transitioning to the outdoor sports. Um, I, my first time in a kayak was sixth grade. Uh, my uh, first boat I got around middle school, but I, I kept playing normal sports until probably about freshman year of high school. 
Your first time in a kayak, um, what was the situation? Who put you in the kayak? So my, my cousin, uh, Jen Moses, uh, worked for the old Richmond Raft company. Okay. Uh, she was one of the first passages counselors. She got into kayaking. She was a very alternative Gen X kind of person. Right, right. She, she was into whatever the non-norm was. Yeah. Right. And she and I um, were very close. Um, she's about 10 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. And... So from a young age, I always looked up to her. When she got into kayaking, um, I had these three younger brothers that we, we were very competitive in right. everything. And like that with was, each other? It, with each other. Mm-hmm. And like, like I, I was the oldest, and I, I obviously always won at everything. <laughs> it's obvious. Uh, no, but it's obvious. I, 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 mean, knew, I, I also knew that it was because I was the oldest, and I was like, at some point, they were, they were going <laughs> to gain on me. And yeah. so I, I wanted to, to separate from the norm i wanted to do something that was mine that was unique to me that wasn't Mm -hmm. that that you know if if they wanted to follow it's not like i would have been upset at that but um i was tired of doing what what everyone else is doing and so when my cousin got into kayaking and uh climbing uh i uh i would ask her to take me with her and and she took me down the upper uh one day uh just to see what it was about Uh, my cousin would take me out on the upper and uh, eventually, I, I got involved with passages and uh, learned how to roll, fell in love with it. Uh, this is in high school? This was... Middle school? S- middle school at that point. Right. So, you, so you get into high school and you're still playing organized sports or not at all anymore? I'm still playing organized sports. I, I still have this idea that I am going to have a future in organized sports. Okay, okay. I, I, it's, it's weird how fast I, I transitioned from organized sports being like who i was to i'm an outdoor guy yeah and so like i I was leading two lives uh i felt like i could do everything i felt like i could do soccer i could do kayaking i could do climbing um i could do passages in the summer and and, you were a good student presumably uh, so that wasn't really a concern i I wouldn't say i was a good student i would say i had no life i i didn't (laughs) hang out with friends i i just did homework i got you Uh, i enjoyed sats you were a willing student yes exactly Right. Uh, and so and I had no social life um, was really the big thing. Uh, what school did you go to? So I, I went to Trinity, okay. um, the same place I'm working now. Uh, and it was the perfect fit for me. Um, I loved it. Uh, it was uh, not a huge school back mm-hmm. then. I, I knew everyone in my grade. And uh, there was another uh, big kayaker uh, at the school, Trip Jennings. Um, and so he and I got along really well. He was always peer pressuring me to just kayak and and climb with him mm-hmm. on the side uh we were both getting into mountain biking around the time of high school also is, is trip older than you trip is one year older than me uh back then he was one of the first one of the the only uh, sponsored paddlers in richmond which was unique because he was in high school uh so like right. casey cockram was a sponsored paddler mm-hmm. uh, uh ellis was a sponsored c1er and Trip Jennings was in this high school phenomenon that was right. sponsored by Perception, and it's so really cool. uh, it was super cool. And and so I, uh, you know, it was cool. I was uh, hanging with him, obviously not at the same level as him, but mm. since we went to the same same school and we both worked at Passages, we uh, got along and paddled. And so, what like what was it about? So it sounds like you were really competitive, like you said, and you want to pour yourself into it and do and do do it to the nth degree and be the best you can at it and so it was sounds like there was like almost once you got into outdoor adventure sports there was probably no going back there i mean 
Yeah, so the the other aspect of that competitiveness was uh, I was tired of wanting to beat other people. I was tired of having in my head that it was me against another person and that I was letting a team down if we didn't win or if I missed a basket or mm-hmm. if I stumbled or something like that. The, the cool thing about the outdoor sports was that uh, it was me and nature. Yeah. It, there wasn't a kayaking competition where I was side by side against another person. You mm-hmm. might be competing for points, but it like you cheer on the other competitors at kayaking competitions. Right, right, right. Um, and this was before Bodocross. Like now, when you go to River Rock and you see Bodocross, it like it's head on, and and you're trying to beat that person. But back then, it was it was rodeo competitions. It, it wasn't necessarily um, right next to someone you you were rooting if somebody did something sweet you cheered them on yeah and same thing with mountain bike races you know you might have been next to people but you were still um, you were you were more positive I I was more into just finishing the race than beating the people around me so was that pressure something you looked forward you you look forward to leaving behind yes yeah I, I think the pressure was really it and it was it was all in my head my parents never pressured me they were always very positive happy and let me do whatever i was into and and never put added pressure on me it was it was always a sounds like they didn't have to (laughs) exactly it was an internal pressure to to be the best that i could and so i always felt bad with the normal sports as though i was like letting the team like those failures just hurt too much exactly the sort of normal failures of any sport right right um what um was there a moment when you realized I mean, you spent time with people like Trip Jennings and those guys um, where you start thinking about, all right, well, soccer is not going to be my future in the sense that it's, you know, a college scholarship or whatever. But ha- so how do I do this? You know, what's next? How do I how do I get to that like dirt bag level, so to speak, in the sense that like, you know, how, how do I go paddle the world or mountain bike? So did that occur to you that that never occurred in high school? That was a college thing. Uh, so in, in high school, I, I still had this illusion that I could live a normal life. Uh, and, and the biggest thing that I think that was about was my desire to be a full-time engineer. Hmm. Um, so when I, like I was... So you were uh, good at math and science, I'm I, assuming. I loved math and science. Like, I, right. I, it just made sense. I could see it. Like, I, I spoke calculus. Like, the when I got to my senior year and I was taking calculus, I it it was a it was a language to me and, and i i loved it like i i looked forward to class i looked forward to math i loved physics it was it was so cool and it was yeah uh, you know I, like i didn't see myself as some savant in like getting all a's in math and science i i just knew that i liked it yeah and engineering in my head seemed like well if if i'm really good at this then that's the best way to push the limits on this. So when you went off engineer. to college, it was with the idea that you'd you'd be in an engineering program. Yeah, in my Where'd head. Where'd you go to college? So I went to Virginia Tech, right. um, and I loved to, Virginia to pursue Tech. engineering. Uh, to pursue engineering, um, I have a degree in civil engineering, and uh, you know it, it took a long time to get there because of outdoor sports. Like oh, I, really? I did not finish in in four years uh, because how long did it take you? It it was five years, but. It was a it was a hard five years, right. and there I hard for a, you, a, hard for I, your parents. It was hard for both of us, right. uh, <laughs> for all of us. Um, and I would say the the big reason is like it's not that I couldn't do the math; it was that I started to realize that engineering was not me, um, right. and 
I, like I didn't want to I didn't want an office job I, I didn't want to do ultimately what engineering would require and mm-hmm. so like when I, when I was in love with math and science I I didn't know what the finish line was. Right, uh, and, and, and there was no point in thinking about how, like, how it would be applied. Exactly, it was just a joy. So when I actually got there and I realized what I was getting into, I, in reality, like I, I think I would have been a great candidate for a gap year. Once I, I created that goal in high school, of being an <laughs> engineer, um, in my head, if I had switched or took a year off it would have been a failure. For me, it would have been. Uh, The the big thing that kept me from doing it on time was every weekend leaving for West Virginia or North Carolina uh, to do outdoor sports. Did you fall in in with a group of people that you met down at college who did the same stuff? Uh, It was mostly past just people. And so there was a big group of past just people at Virginia Tech. And uh, we were all uh, paddling on the weekends. Uh, we would follow the rain. Uh, in the summer, we would go out west. Um, in Christmas break, we would go wherever the rain was or the snow melt was, mm-hmm. and it was That's it was awesome. amazing. It was it was uh, the so it's like a window summer. into what could be a. Lifestyle exactly, and that, that's lifestyle. when that's when I fully embraced it. But it was once again that dual life. Where in high school, the dual life was the normal kid sport and the outdoor sport. Uh, in college, it was the trying to be an engineer and a normal student. Did it feel like a dual a life? Because there's so uh, it feels like there's so little overlap in those groups of people. Is that like when you talk I, about I the dual life? I was two people. I was yeah. definitely two people. It it was uh, like you know being. A student in engineering, um, I could not be a dirtbag. Uh, I, right. I had to be official. Um, I had to be on time. Um, I had to actually like pay attention in class and be organized. Yeah. And read the books, right? Uh, and and then when you leave and I'm, I'm hanging out with people that are like they don't even have a backpack or you know, <laughs> like class. Back, oh, did class who are their majors? Still back the books on day two of the semester. Who are their majors? Exactly. Well, how did they like get I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, and, we didn't and, talk about that. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> and and so that that was that was very challenging. And um, there are there were some of them that were in engineering also, and they knew they were going to be engineers. Um, but for me, I like to fully embrace both of them was not possible. Um, with all that as sort of like a lead up, what did you do after college? I mean, like now I need now I'm dying to know because there's two of you. What did both of you do? <laughs> what did either of you do? So all right, so this is where um, I was kind of playing tricks on myself um, a little bit. Like I, if I was going to do both these lifestyles, I I needed to take the engineering exam, the the fundamentals of engineering exam it's okay. the, the fe um, you take and, this in college and it, like most people take it either the summer after um most people also do internships mm-hmm. right in the, <laughs> in the i've heard those are the good three or four summers before uh they graduate <laughs> right. so i was a pastures person like every single summer and in pastures was the light of the at the end of the tunnel like i would there was never a moment where I was going to give uh, to up. To be an passages. instructor, like passion just made me, um, mm-hmm. and and like I, I hope like I I had a big enough impact that on on kids there that like you know I, I helped make passages as well. But like right. I felt like we were we were connected, and I could not do the internship thing, and and like everyone else in engineering had done all of these internships and knew what they like they had. 
four job offers before they even put applications. So by the in. end, you must have realized, like, all right, I guess I'm not. But I, I, I'm not this was this. me tricking myself. Like, right, I, like, I was gonna, uh, you know, I was gonna be a civil engineer. I was gonna right. build bridges. I was gonna design structures, and this is what I wanted to do. And like all the way up to graduation, I still had in my head that I could do both those things. That I, like I even at one point had in my head that like I could create my own engineering firm with my undergrad degree um, and, and civil engineering. And people you know, just hand these over were just money, illusions right? in my head. And so, um, you know, and, and instead of all that, like I, I bought a plane ticket to South America and I, when? I went to South America. So like I, it, like midway through the, my last semester, like before I had even actually gotten my diploma, um, I, um, I got a plane ticket to Santiago, Chile uh, with one of my pastor's friends, uh, Van Nall, uh, and he was in his first freshman year, you know, feel bad for how long it probably took him to graduate, um, in his <laughs> freshman year of uh, U of R, um, he and I got tickets to Santiago, Chile. Did you guys paddle down there? Uh, we did. Um, we so that was the other big challenge um, was convincing airlines to take our kayaks, um, and so you know we we learned um, after a couple um, airline um, ticket sellers that we can't call them kayaks; you call them surfboards. And uh, and so like you know when you tell someone you're so random. like here's here can you take my kayak? Um, they, no, they you, you cannot that. take a kayak. Yeah. So hey, we have a couple surfboards here. Can you can you take our surfboards? Yeah, that's fine. We can take your surfboards. <laughs> uh, and so the surfboards were good to go. So wait, why, why was it? Why was three months, two months too many? Uh, so when well, long story short, um, the when we got down there, uh, we didn't know, let alone the language, we didn't really know that much about um, Chile or where the kayaking was, and so. Um, when we got to Santiago, we wandered the streets uh, trying to figure out how to get to Patagonia. We knew there would be rivers in Patagonia. Not the store. Uh, so not the store, <laughs> uh, but the southern tip of uh, South America. Um, and eventually we found buses. And uh, once again, uh, convincing the buses to take our kayaks uh, was, was very tricky. Right? We didn't know the words for these things. Right? So right. it was just like... You know, pointing and being like, can, yeah. can we go on the bus? Um, you know, with with sign language was yeah. our um, our best attempt. Um, and um, did you so, bump into other people down there doing the same thing, like around your same age? Uh, not in Santiago. Mm -hmm. um, we eventually did run into kayakers when we got down south um, into Patagonia. Um, so we we took these buses and we we went as south as we could, um, and uh, we ended up in a town called Bacone. Bacone is a whitewater mecca. And we had seen it in movies before. When we saw like the the exit on the bus for Pecone, we knew like like we had to get off there. Right, right. Uh, and and that's where we saw some kayakers. Some of them um, were from the U.S. And so um, we connected with them pretty on, early on. Yeah. Uh, they uh, they had their own car and and were not um, like full. They they didn't have enough space to just take us around right right and so we uh, we put our money together and bought a car um and and so we bought uh a 1985 chevy chevette nice, nice. and uh we uh we strapped our kayak straight to the hood of the car That's and awesome. just followed this other group of americans around um and paddled whatever they were paddling it was amazing we were um doing like some of the craziest whitewater that i've ever done yeah uh and um the the uh, long story short about the season like the season was was about a month uh, and so it was one uh, month of amazing kayaking 
and then is that after, of snow melt? Uh, because of snow melt okay. yeah you follow the snow melt and then uh you know it's kind of like california in june california in june is awesome for Raging. kayaking yeah right. um and uh and then once you get to july if, if it's not a crazy snowpack year the, the snow's gone right and the rivers are not running anymore and so um while the rivers were running we paddled hard and had a lot of fun. That's awesome. Uh, but then so, after that, we were just vagabonds roaming in this car we lived in. So, so, so what did you do? So you come back to Richmond, pres- presumably. Eventually, you find your way back to Richmond. What were you thinking? You're going to get a job, or you like? So I, I actually had a notepad while we were um, driving around in the car. We called the car Coche Caliente. I, I learned the Spanish word Caliente, and it it, uh, it made sense that our our car was. Um, Coche Caliente because it would uh, overheat a lot. And the uh, the axle snapped uh, one time on it, and we had to figure out how to put the wheel back on. Um, but uh, when you know, I had this little journal for our car rides, and and I would make notes about um, what I thought I could possibly do when I returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, one knowing that it was not going to be as an it was not going to be an engineer. It, it well, no, it, it was actually thinking that was still an option. Um, okay, and being an engineer was was. Um, actually, Blake, pretty high up on the list mm. still. Right. And the other big thing on the list was in my head that I was I was going to live in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Portland, the, Portland's like my people. Uh, and so I, I feel very connected uh, to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I, I don't like how much it rains there, but I, every time I go, it's, it's awesome. I love it. Mm. I love the volcanoes. I love the whitewater there. So right. in my head, I, I figured like I would eventually end up in the Pacific Northwest. So coming back to Richmond and uh, at the like end of uh, the spring in the U.S., so it was going into fall in South America, but coming back into warm was awesome. Hmm. Skipping winter. Yeah, so yeah, 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 skip yeah. Winter, like chasing this endless summer. Yeah. And I was, uh, I had dreadlocks. I had... Nice. All these, these South American. Uh, oh, there are definitely some pictures online, <laughs> um, and you know most people. That's that's the start of the dirt bag right there. Like the I, I embraced it, and I, you know, this was also one of those weird times in my life where I had a girlfriend, um, and <laughs> in my head, like this is you know looking. I actually you know, kind of nervous about even sharing this now that I've been a teacher and I know what this is like but so my <laughs> my girlfriend uh at the time was on an abroad trip in South America as well mm-hmm. and so we had visited her a couple times while we were down there and when I came back I, I thought it would be really nice if I went to say hey to her parents um and so you know I had dreadlocks um I was wearing this this South American get up like this poncho thing I had gotten at a thrift shop um I had oh these uh, these like super hippie uh pants that are like basically pajama pants now my girlfriend's mom was a teacher at an, an elementary school right. and so I showed up like this and I just started walking around um this elementary school um, and and, to pop in and, and say hi. And you came to her work. Exactly. I, right, I went to yeah. her work. I was gonna like say yeah. I thought right. this would be so Polite. nice. Yeah. And and so you know once the armed escort <laughs> took me to the main office and told told me the protocol of right. you know like when we have visitors this is what you do in in a school and I was like oh I'm just here to yeah it's to all good see you know, <laughs> whatever my girlfriend's mom hey Miss uh, Jones what's up girl and and so oh you know I, I hear God. that they still 
tell stories about when but the, that the homeless man was walking right. around. And needless to so. say, her dad did not meet you there in start negotiating the dowry. Exactly. Right, yeah. No, not yeah. so much. Okay. Right. So, so then uh, someone told me that you lived on a commune when, when you... When you were in Richmond after so college, we, is that we true? We called it a hippie commune, yes, and that was uh, that was around here. the same time um, we're as well. So it, it's yeah, not; sweet. it wasn't actually a hippie commune, but like we always called it that. Um, and so, like uh, my grandfather um, was um, a he, he was he was a crazy old guy, um, but at some point in his life, he was really good at gambling, um, and uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it was. Um, during uh, World War II, he would gamble, and the, one of the big things he got up to was gambling for property. And so he won what? a lot of property um, in Oregon Hill, um, rolling dice. Oh, you're and, kidding and me! And so he was like, um, you know, he he invested in lot and property. After that, he started this pharmacy. Um, he uh, like made some money with right, that yeah. and, and kept going in the property. And Oregon Hill, of course. Um, and, and so, you know, and back then, Oregon Hill was a very different place than it yeah. is yeah. now. And so um, he had this pharmacy at the corner of Cary and Laurel. And he also had all of the row houses attached to that. Um, and, um, and, and some of it what he had gotten from rolling dice. Some of it he, he had gotten from playing checkers. He was really good at checkers, too. Oh, my God. Um, that is and amazing. So, is he alive? Uh, he's not now. Oh, um, yeah, and, but, yeah, die. for real. Like, uh, he had some crazy stories. But, you know, um, we always used to think that he was um, the, the Lebanese mafia. Um, so we were, we were a quarter Lebanese. He's full Lebanese, but... Um, you know, he, we always thought of him as the the mafia boss. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so he uh, uh, he let me and my pastor's friends stay in one of the row houses uh, right next to the pharmacy. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, it was um, eight oh five carry and eight oh seven carry, and and now it's that that building's not even there anymore. It's it's a giant complex now. The, they tore uh, it all down okay. uh, about two years ago. Uh, but uh, you know he he didn't charge us rent. Uh, he just wanted us to pay the bills, um, and uh, you know the being the math person I was, then the more people you put in this house, the cheaper the bills will be. Right. Uh, right and on. it's not like we were going to take showers or use a lot of electricity anyway. <laughs> right. Right? No, uh, no. Uh, and so you know we had a lot of people in these <laughs> two row houses, uh, and um, it, it was a lot of fun. It was very dirty. Uh, you know it, it was. Uh, definitely one of those atmospheres that um, I'm glad parents didn't come by. Um, they just dropped their kids off, and you know we would go to work from there. That's that's ended up being the Pastures house, uh, and I you know that was that was the heyday of Pastures. I've I've told uh, um, the the peak people many peak experiences people many times that if they want uh, if they want to go back to the good old days they they got to get a house for their staff because <laughs> staff house was pretty sweet That's amazing so is that like were you still hanging on to the other mike stratton at that time too where you're like you know what i'm i'm gonna get her i'm gonna get like a, a real quote job or uh, so at the time i i thought i had buried the other mike stratton okay uh, but in reality um, it was it was kind of like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where like the other side was was hiding. It was dormant. It was it was inside my head, and mm-hmm. you know where. And like I physically in college, I was like, I am getting rid of that side of me. I do not want to be the SAT nerd anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I am over that. I am embracing the dirtbag lifestyle. 
Um, and but you can do it. Uh, I well, uh, so like I thought it. I thought right. it was you gone. Thought you had. I, I right. thought, and you know, like it. There was a piece of me that knew um, I was uh, like super suave and awesome and and like fun to be around now. And like I, this alter ego I created, like I is now like I, it's my Instagram handle now. I I, I called myself Action Mike, and and all <laughs> my friends, like uh, Club. Love, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was it was I was Charlotte Tyler. You guys have your own uh, soap and, in that uh, house, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and and my friends thought that was so funny, you know. I, and I'm sure they were just making fun of me. But in my head, I was Brad Pitt. Right, right, right. right. Uh, and, and action, my <laughs> exactly. talk about abs. My God, he had abs. Oh, jeez, <laughs> so, for days. That'll well, be a whole separate podcast. So then, how did you? So then, how did? Uh, how did? Um, how did you get to be a math teacher? Yeah. yeah. How did you get what? like an AP How did you teacher? get hired by so other that, adults? There, there are, is a lot leading up to this. But when I. Uh, when I got back from South America, I could not afford to travel the country paddling um, for the rest of that summer. The, I was getting back and I got back in like um, uh, probably about uh, April or so, and I had to start thinking of what I was going to do in the future. Um, I had long retired from passages. When I say long, back then, like I the previous summer, they had already had like a like farewell to action mike right he, he is <laughs> he's he out. Is out of here he is not the kayaking site director anymore he's a dirtbag now. um and right. he is gonna go do his own thing wherever he is so like i knew i couldn't go back to that right yeah. uh and and i was gonna feel very like i had failed inside if i went back to that like right. i i still thought that i was going to go to portland oregon and you know, be a bartender or be an engineer or be like something. And in my head, bartender and engineer were somehow <laughs> equal, equal ground. So, uh, and, or lifty, or you know, <laughs> something in that realm. What exactly. are your conversations <laughs> with your parents like at this oh point? Like, like I, like I, if I was, uh, if I was in charge of me back then, like now that I'm a teacher, like yeah. if I like was at all in charge of someone like me, then I, oh my god, that would I would have given so much different advice. Um, but I, you know, I. I avoided getting advice um, from anyone, um, and so uh, I signed up for a mountain bike race. And I, like I hadn't done any mountain biking in South America, I had done a ridiculous amount of South, uh, riding before going to South America. So like I just you know in my head I can just sign up for whatever I want. Yeah. You know I did the same thing with ultra running. You know if I want to do an ultra run, it doesn't matter that I didn't train. I'm just going to sign up and I'm going to do it. Yep. So this mountain bike race it's a it's called 24 hours of burn um it's in north carolina uh it's a pretty fun race to be at it's hard it's challenging it's a 13 mile or i don't know if it's still you just ride your bike for 24 hours you you ride as many laps as you can in 24 hours and the most laps wins and some people do it on team some people do it solo and so one mile in of the first 13 mile loop I fell on one of the turns, just like no big deal. Like mm-hmm. I fall all the time. I was trying to hang with the front, mm-hmm. like a ridiculous fool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I skid out and I fell. Um, and, you know, it, it didn't knock me out or anything. I, you know, it just, it felt, it jolted me. You fell on your head. Um, right. I, it, yeah. And, and, and so I, I got back up and I started riding. Um, and my jaw was like, it was like a little bit out of place. Um, it was not feeling right. So I got to the uh, the finish line and uh, the, the first lap of this 24-hour race, and 
um, I found the medics and I was like, can you please put my jaw back in place? Like, I need to keep riding. And they were like, no, we can't do that. Are you, what do you, you do, that's not what you do. You can't, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, we can't put your jaw back in. You have to go to the hospital. They have to do that. Um, and that's also not how jaws work. Um, <laughs> and is what they kept saying to me that that's not how it works. You don't dislocate a jaw. Uh-huh. Um, and, and like I, you know, in, in my head, I was like, well, I'm, I'm just going to keep riding and I'll, I'll finish this later. And, Everyone's face convinced me. Of, no, no one said anything. But so when what I was it? What happened? When I looked at people, like I could tell, like something was wrong with my face. Yeah. Um, and so my brothers drove me to the hospital. Right. And the hospital wasn't that far, but when I got there, we waited an hour, and my I was looking at the watch, like, like I gotta, I'm still in this race. I gotta like, get, back, I gotta to get back to the race. Uh, <laughs> so like this is driving me crazy, and I like I had to go through the um, the, the uh, whatever the CAT scan thing is, mm-hmm. and. Um, they looked at my head and they were like, "Your jaw's broken. Um, you you have to get uh, braces and um, like, wire like wired shut. And we're not going to do that. You need to go back to Richmond and find someone to do this for you." Uh. That crushed me. That was like that was a big blow. Mm. Um, and um, you know, so I, I think when you're a, a dirt bag and things don't go wrong, you actually start feeling homeless a little bit. Um, and like when you have things nothing, do go wrong when things go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it's a, it's one thing if you're living in a car and kayaking and, and um, you know, you wake up the next day and you don't have a shower. Like, I'm fine with that. Right. But when you can't kayak and you can't mountain bike right. and you're just living in a car. Um, and right. Then it's just, it, 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 it's that's, just That's just sad. That's just homeless. Um, and, and so I, I, I couldn't deal well with that. That's um, not actually Mike. That's homeless Mike. That, that, that is homeless Mike. Mike. And it, like I, that whole summer, that was like the, the next summer. Summer was my thing. I was like... Mm. I was a summer person, and that whole summer I had uh, I had to eat through a straw, um, and I uh, was still staying at that hippie commune with all my past just friends, and they were having fun and awesome summers, and yeah. like I couldn't get on a mountain bike. I my my parents bought me a full face helmet so that you know if when I started getting better I I would feel better about doing it. Right, right. Um, but still, like I you know I lost a lot of weight and was demoralized and lost a lot of confidence in my ability to just do whatever I want. Right. Like, you know, that was, well, the, it wasn't the about thing. like, Oh man, I suck at mountain biking. It was about like, ah, oh, shit. Like it made you question your like, my lifestyle. lifestyle. Right. Exactly. Um, and also, uh, you know, it, 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 this was one of those times when like I, I started thinking about money and like, you know, it, I couldn't have paid for that. Like I needed my parents for mm-hmm. that. Right. Um, and if I'm going to do things on my own, um, if I had gotten that and I didn't have parents to fall back on, like I couldn't have afforded all those hospital right. bills. Yeah. Um, and um, so like that was, that was a big moment was uh, like, what would I have done if I didn't have right. a safety net? Um, and so I, at the same, you know, while I had uh, my, uh, my jaw wired shut, um, I started thinking about like what was I going to do to actually be able to pay for my lifestyle, um, and uh, you know I, did, I knew I didn't need much. Like I had survived all these years on pastures money, mm-hmm. uh, and so you know I, I figured I I could find something I wanted. Um, I applied while I was wired shut. I applied to some engineering jobs in Richmond. Um, I I didn't even like think about Portland going to the Pacific Northwest yeah. at the moment. Um, I applied to USGS. How'd you get to Trinity? Well, yeah, so like basically one day I was, um, after doing uh, some engineering interviews 
through the wire um, yeah. to to quote uh, Kanye West. Um, so I, I, you know, I, it was those were awkward interviews, and like I knew that independent of not being able to speak, my resume was not impressive. I took a long time to graduate. Uh, my GPA was not the greatest. Um, you know, my my outdoor resume might have been sweet, but mm-hmm. like my like grade and and whatever gpa stuff was not like oh we really want this guy yeah um and so i uh i found um the trinity website and i was like i don't know why i looked at it i i I think what it it probably was was i was thinking back on good experiences and Mm -hmm. like i knew trinity had been awesome for me and, and it had um been this place that i felt at home at um, and so I, I looked it up just at random. Mm. Um, and uh, one of my favorite teachers was this guy named Paige Mock. And I sent Paige Mock an email saying, uh, hey, I'm uh, out of college. I love math and science. You are one of my favorite math teachers. If you ever need any subs or any help, yeah, I would love uh, the opportunity to help out. I'm looking for jobs right now. The next day, hmm. a calculus teacher had quit and had, had sent cool. uh, the headmaster at the time was Dr. Acock and had sent Dr. Acock an email saying like, "I'm sorry, you know, I know school's starting and not that long, but I can't come back." And then he his next email was. Uh, from Paige Mock, and it was like, hey, um, you know, one of our alumni, big math and science person, um, says if, you know, if there's anything available, he can help out. He goes by Action Mike. Exactly. (laughs) You've probably seen him online. (laughs) And so uh, they sent me a message uh, real quick, and I went in for an interview. I, I remember the interview well because it was the first time I had worn long pants and a collared shirt in a very long time and yeah. I, like i felt bad wearing it i felt like i was doing action mike a disservice right. by putting on a collared the shirt the wire the wire in my jaw <laughs> so, was fine yeah. but that collar shirt that was available like, so the, the other like crazy thing about this was it was it was the week after i had gotten unwired um and so like i was like it was like the everything aligned right now like i went in for my interview the week after i had gotten my braces off Um, and um and so i had started the recovery i could start eating um normal food and and talking normal and i went in for the interview and um it it went very well um they uh talking to the headmaster you know I, i think you know there was probably a little bit of desperation on their end yeah. um, but the fact that everything i was saying was something that they needed yeah um, right it worked out really well so i'm gonna bring us current then so you still and correct me if i'm wrong I've, I've never i've never seen it myself but you are renovating a house um and for the last couple of years is it a couple of years that you've been working on it and living in it so uh, i've had multiple house renovation experiences over the past couple of years. Yeah. The one that I'm living in, yeah. I'm also renovating. And how uh, long have you been doing that for? So th- this is the third year. Um, I go very slow. Like you, you can't really call what I'm doing flipping uh, yeah. because of how <laughs> no. slow no, you can't. Um, I'm going. <laughs> Only if you hate Fli- money. <laughs> flipping exactly. like a turtle flips. Right. Um, so, so you're living in this house for the last three years um, for, a, I think, a decent chunk of that time. 
there's no roof there are no walls at times you're sleeping in a sleeping bag you're cooking on a hold on no roof that's not a house you're (laughs) cooking well this is actually mike now so you're cooking in a camp stove um and in and you seem really content like it seems like uh you connect with that um while while at the same time you're you have this more conventional job at Trinity, um, and you're still traveling the world doing all kinds of cool stuff. You're you're running, you know, Hell, Hellgate races, you know, ultras, and um, paddling a ton. And so, is it fair to say that you are still kind of two mics right now? Uh, I am, but like I'm I'm merging them into one. I, it's a it's been a long road to get there, and the the Trinity was the emergence. If if that's even a word so the like i i can't i can't be a dirt bag and a teacher successfully like i i had to come up with a way to sell my lifestyle as not being i don't want to say homeless but like i i i do i think i think having a strong work ethic mm-hmm. is what saves me Mm. um the whatever gets me to finish ultra runs without training um also gets me to grade papers on time um and also gets me to to finish my lesson plans uh and so you know whereas if if i was behind on all of that stuff and Looking like a semi homeless, right. right. then, then they I, connect I the dots and they say, "Well, this is work. no good." Yeah, right, exactly. Right. And and so you know, I, like I, I, it's not that I'm protesting, uh, looking nice and taking showers. Like I, I, more than anything else, I would say what I've realized is that, like I, I am an environmentalist, um, and you know, like I may not like labeling myself um, or coming up with. You know the like, I don't want like like coming up with excuses for mm-hmm. the just being like looking like a mess, but I I don't buy the consumer culture. I I don't like the Christmas season because of how many products are being bought just because it's Christmas. Like yeah. I I I don't like getting presents. I, when people get me clothes it 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 makes me very sad uh you know i, I like i, I would rather stitch things up so you know <laughs> obviously i do you know as long as i jump in the river i i'm good to give go. me that beer back so, <laughs> but like when when i get a hole in a shirt i like i want to fix the shirt i, yeah, I don't want right. to get a new shirt um and uh and so it's not i like i think most people look at that as that I, you know, a dirtbag lifestyle, and um, like, oh, look, look at uh, Mr. Stratton today. Like, you know, he he hasn't taken a shower in a week, most likely. And you know, I, I think that's awesome and and funny that you know everyone says it, but it, like, it's more just not buying into consumer culture. More, yeah. it's more thoughtful than that. Right? Yeah, yeah, it is more it, thoughtful. It, right. and it, it took me a while to realize that that's what it was, um, but you know, like, uh, deep down, I like I'm trying to be sustainable, and I'm trying to. Um, live a lifestyle that in 40 years, uh, if I'm still around, I can still do. Um, you know, I, like I, I don't, if I was still playing soccer right now, like I could not play soccer uh, my whole life. Yeah. Like there's just no way. I, I, I do not you think can. I can. You do would that. just suck. Like so the rest it, of us. It, it, right. And I, I would 
like the way I was playing, I would get injured. But yeah. like I am, I'm still because you're so into biking it. Hard. the way I was biking in high school and college, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm still kayaking the way um, I was then. Um, and um, like you know, my college lifestyle. Uh, you know, a lot of my teacher friends say like, there is no way you can keep living without heat. Like you're, this is you're at some point. You're so right break now, down. the house you're going back to tonight does not have heat. It does not have heat. Um, no, and I like I'm I okay heard you with that. splurge for a uh, for an air mattress. So, is that true? So I, I don't have a I, I have a camping mattress um, and I, I do have pillows and I have a sleeping bag. Okay. So like it's not oh, like I I'm you're, you're suffering or anything like that. No, it's no. Just, heater? Uh, is there electricity? So there is you electricity. Internet, right? and I, like I do have water, and... but like if it goes below freezing during the day, um, then I do have to turn my water off. Um, and it's not that's not a permanent thing. That's just like at this point in my and house renovation. That's what's um, going on. Yeah, like if I want water, um, as long as it's above freezing, I can have it. Um, and and when the daytime temperatures get below freezing, then and I don't want my pipes to freeze, then I, I just no turn hot the water, water heater though. So I do have a hot water. Oh, you do. Yeah. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah. So good to go. Exactly. You're fine. I'm fascinated by like at listening to this. Uh, so listen to you. This sort of like uh, self-realization that obviously like we, we all do to a greater or lesser degree. Well, some of us never actually spend any time, but you are obviously a thoughtful person and have thought about all the different yous that have sort of gotten to this point. But it's um, so I wonder, you know, here you are. You're about to be 36. You sounds like you know a lot more about yourself than you did when you were 16. Right. Hopefully we all do. But you've spent a lot of time thinking about these things. Um, if you won the lottery tomorrow what do you do with it what changes for michael stratton so i i do want to live more comfortably i think that is um one aspect of my life that i would change but like there is if there is one thing i can confirm with my lifestyle is that like if i can live as cheap as i am now if i was given a lot more money I wouldn't change the, what I'm spending. You're still fixing that shirt. So yeah, I'm, right. I'm gonna wear these clothes. Like I'm not gonna buy right. a new set of clothes. Um, yeah. I'm not gonna buy some fancy coffee maker um, or anything like that. Like I'm not gonna change what I'm eating. I'm not gonna go out to eat every night. Um, what I would uh, invest my money in is sustainable housing. Um, I it has been my dream for a long time to create off the grid. Um, environmental housing that is super efficient right. and you know like I it's I, I'm not trying to to make bank on this I'm not trying to um, to raise housing housing prices to the point where yeah, it's right. like super expensive neighborhoods that only lifestyles and the rich and famous can afford but right. I would love to start a sustainable housing community to build houses that are solar or geothermal or or you whatever the cool new thing is um and have batteries um that will help store that solar power um and you need money to get there and so like if i actually won the lottery that's what i would put it into where would you travel like what where would you paddle okay so the the traveling and and the paddling thing uh i am limited on right now because of money and like i i would say that would be a, a guilty pleasure i would add traveling to it i have Lots of places um, on my bucket list that I'm I'm not um, I'm not ready to give up on yet. Right. Um, and you know I might not buy shirts, but like I I would get a plane ticket. Uh, where the, where is so the first one? 
the number one place on my list right now, um, there's a uh, place in Colombia um, that I would love to go explore for whitewater. Right. Um, it's one of the volcanoes in Colombia. When when I look at it, you know, I do a lot of research on Google Maps, um, and it's got snow a lot of the year, um, which tells me that in at some point there's probably snow melt. There's probably there's got to be some whitewater in the area. Um, and so I would say number one on the list of places to fly to, Colombia. I want to go to Colombia. Well, I'm, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like you've done, you've done it or you're doing it. I mean, you are merging two things that didn't seem like they were compatible. Like right. this kind of happy-go-lucky, fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants lifestyle of, of a dirtbag where you pursue these, you know, these outdoor adventures and sports that you love so much and pour yourself into entirely um, in a way that would, for most people, leave them a little bit of time to maybe scrape together a couple part-time jobs just to fund the next adventure. But you, like, you're doing that and you're, you're, you're making a big difference in your community through, through your job. You've had the job for years now. So, I mean, it's like a stable conventional career. God forbid we call it that. I know you look like you're uncomfortable right now hearing that, but I mean, you're merging those two things together and uh, in a way that seems so um, authentic for you. So, Congratulations. Here's a little story I got to tell about three bad brothers you know so well. It started way back in history with that rock. <laughs> 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 